Welcome to Bellado, the Story Save podcast. I'm Marian Gruner. In this episode, I travel to Toronto to visit one of Storytellers of Canada's founding members and its first president, Rosalind Cohen. I called Bob Barton and I called Dan Yashinsky and we had this meeting and I told them that there was a need for a national organization, storytellers across the country communicating. And they both said, go for it. And I did. In the early 90s, Rosalind and her colleagues at the Montreal Storytellers Guild put out a call to storytellers across Canada to come together to meet in Montreal. And at that meeting, Storytellers of Canada, Contour du Canada, was born. 2022 marks 30 years since that momentous gathering, and so we decided it was time to chat with Rosalind about those early years and what inspired her then and now. What are some of the things that you jotted down in this book? Oh, I have a list of all the names. Send letters to interested Canadian delegates. We're sitting in her living room, and Rosalind has pulled out a box of notebooks and papers she's kept for over three decades. Here, can I just read you this? Please. First National Storytelling Conference, May the 28th to the 30th, 1992. Unique opportunity to hear acclaimed Canadian storytellers. Tickets available. This was all part of the planning of our very first conference. <laughs> a lot of food. <laughs> there was one table, the head table. There was Bob Barton, Dan Yashinsky, and myself who were convening the meeting. And all these people came from, from all over the country, which was just like miraculous. Rosalind had ignited a spark with Canadian storytellers who wanted to connect with other artists. But the seed of this idea had been planted years before, when she was studying in the U.S. and became involved with the storytelling community there. Tell me a little bit more about that community in the United States. Like, what was happening there that wasn't happening in Canada at the time? There was an organization called NAPS, which was similar to what our Storytellers of Canada is. And they had a conference there every year. And storytellers gathered from across the country. And I attended that conference. And I saw that people were feeding off one another. They were friendships developed. There was a storytelling community. Storytelling had a, a, a place as an art form. So that's when I came back and I realized there was nothing organized in Canada. There were little splinter groups of storytellers all over the country. And Toronto had the largest, I think, storytelling community. So after a number of years, I realized it was time to start, try to start a national organization. 30 years later, Storytellers of Canada has hundreds of members and dozens of programs. It remains the only national storytelling organization in the country. I'm just so amazed at it, really because it's become so sophisticated now. If you look at my notes, <laughs> you'll realize <laughs> just how sophisticated <laughs> all my, my notes of the gathering, the first gathering. <laughs> this sophisticated organization may have started from Rosalind's box of scattered notes, 
But in some ways, it started with her childhood in a home where storytelling was central. She shares some memories with me. Cold winter afternoons in Montreal, where my mother, who was a fabulous baker, would have a table laden with cakes of all her own baking and fruit. And the table would be occupied by perhaps 10 people, neighbors, family, and they would all be telling stories, telling about their childhoods in Europe, many of them. And um, so stories were such an important part of my life. My mother would often come out with a shoebox filled with photographs. Every photograph was a story. And so that was just part of my life. My father telling me about his experiences growing up in a war zone in Latvia. My great-grandfather, who taught me about morals and how to behave as a decent human being, and he always did it through story. Rosalind's connection to storytelling was carried into adulthood. Uh, my profession was as a kindergarten teacher for early childhood, so storytelling, of course, was very important. And, and I use story with children. Every, every year, I would take three pieces of white typewriter paper, fold it in two, staple the edge, and create a book. And every child in my class would write their own story. And I would tell them about story, beginning, a middle, and an end, and something happens. And every child would take that, their own story home every year. Most wonderful things came out of that. After years of teaching kindergarten, Rosalind decided to retire. She moved to the United States to pursue a master's degree. But one day, something shifted her focus. Well, I went there and I was going to do my thesis on children's literature. And so I had met with the director of that department and it was pretty well decided that that's what I would do. Uh, pursue my master's in. But then I walked down the corridor at Leslie College in Cambridge, Mass, where I, where I was, and I saw a name, Norma Leval, storyteller. And there was a session ongoing. And I walked into the room and heard Norma give a description of storytelling and what it could do. And I realized immediately that this is exactly what I wanted. Because I have always believed that I like people to make their own decisions. And by telling people stories, they have the idea. You're, uh, you're giving them the food to, to grow on. But then they make the decision themselves. And that's what storytelling does. And it was right there. And so I decided to change my program and I did my master's in storytelling and writing. And as a result of that, met many, many American storytellers, saw the organization in the United States, and saw the camaraderie among storytellers. And I was very taken with, with the idea of, of an organization that was a support, like a guild, that would support one another, interact with one another, and so that's how it began. At that first meeting of storytellers in Montreal, one of the things they decided was very simple. They would meet every year in a different Canadian city. 
And so the very next year, with a newly minted national organization and a growing membership from across the country, Storytellers of Canada met in Whitehorse, Yukon. That was the very first one? It was in the Yukon? That was the very first one, which was, when I think back now, for we were a large group of people who gathered there from across the country, all the way up to Whitehorse. Like, that's far. (laughs) That's pretty far. What was the feeling like to have all of these storytellers in one room from across the country when it's... it's... Jubilation. (laughs) (laughs) People were so happy to be together. And everyone was so willing to adapt to the culture of the people, the First Nations people in particular, who were presenting this conference. There was just such a good sense of... uh, togetherness of people and and the First Nations community especially the one thing that I remember Louise Prophet LeBlanc was uh, on stage the very first night of our conference in Yukon we walked in and there were tables laden with food on all the out just outer fringe of the tent and we were all sitting at tables and chairs and Louise got up and she took the microphone she was stunning, absolutely stunning. She was wearing this uh, beaded outfit. And she took the mic and she said, would all the children in this hall step up to the table, to the food tables, form a line? And they did. And I thought nothing of that because I thought they were going to eat first. Then Louise picked up the microphone and she said, and now... Would you, each one of you fill a plate and serve one of the elders in the room? And I was so taken by that. That was not, not something that, you know, in our culture, that would not have happened. I really got to see the First Nations community, how they revered the universe, the environment, how children curled up against their grandmothers to listen to stories. And I saw the First Nations people in a, in a realistic light that I had never had opportunity to do before. It was a memorable, really a memorable conference. That atmosphere of learning and sharing and appreciation for each new host community has carried on year after year, and the excitement has too. Every year at every conference, I have to say that when we gather on that first night, that welcoming night, there is just that sense of family reunion, and it's warm, and it's, it's just a, a heartwarming, because people feel, they feel like family, really. There's just such a sense of camaraderie. But I have traveled right across Canada as a result of our decision to have our conferences in different cities of Canada every year. Yeah, so you've really sort of learned about the traditions of storytelling across the country. Not just storytelling, but the people, the people who live in this country and their stories. And so I couldn't end our visit without hearing a story from Rosalind. There is one last thing, and I was hoping you would tell the story of the apple and the oak tree. (laughs) That's my favorite. (laughs) How did you know? (laughs) 
Well, it's a story that was really told to be, that I heard from Panina Shram, who was a New York storyteller. And I think it may have come out of uh, Jewish tradition. But it's the story of an oak tree and an apple tree living in a forest, actually, one next to the other. And the apple tree was a beautiful little tree. And it had apples growing in that were absolutely luscious. And every year people would stop when the apples were and ripened and somebody would pull an apple down and they'd bite into it and feel so refreshed and lovely. But that little apple tree wasn't proud of itself. That apple tree would always look at the oak tree and always say, look how majestic that tree is. Look at those beautiful, big, leathery leaves. Look how tall it is. I'm just so skinny. I'm so small. And the apple tree would hear a voice that would say, wait, little apple tree, wait, wait. But the apple tree would look up and say, look at that. Even There's even stars on that oak tree. Even in the winter time, when there are no leaves on it, when it has a carpet of beautiful brown leathery leaves on the ground around it. And then... At night, if you looked up, there'd be a star perched on the edge of every branch. So beautiful. Look at me, I'm so insignificant. And the voice would say, have patience, little apple tree, have patience. And the seasons changed. The apple tree would have these apples during the summer. Somebody would pull it down and crunch it and love it. And in the fall, it would lose its leaves. And in the spring, it had beautiful blossoms on it. But then one fall, all the leaves had gone, all the apples had fallen. There was just one apple left on the apple tree. And it looked very cold. But the oak tree, even though it had shed all its leaves into that beautiful brown leathery carpet, still looked elegant. And the apple tree still looked at, and it still said, had all stars on it. And again, the apple tree said, why can't I have that? And suddenly a huge wind blew up, and it grabbed that apple, and it tugged it, and it tugged it, until finally that apple plummeted to the ground, and it broke in two. And the voice of the Creator spoke down to that little apple tree and said, Little apple tree, look down, look on the ground, what do you see? And the apple tree looked down and it said, I see the apple split in two. And what do you see in the middle of it? The voice said, I see a star. That's right, said the Creator. You've always had that star within you. You just had to be ready to see it. I think it's an inspirational story. I think that for people who, who, who don't think that they have very much to offer, that this is truly a necessary story. It's just a story that says you've got a lot there. You know, wait. 
And I just think it's a beautiful story. As we celebrate 30 years of Storytellers of Canada and 20 years of the StorySave program, Rosalind is more inspired by storytelling than ever. The fact that Storytellers of Canada has not just survived all these years since its founding in 1992, uh, but has grown incredibly, I think there is a great future and a great need for storytelling need for people, especially now when you think of the pandemic where people have no communication. We are human animals who need communication. And I think storytelling is one of the best forms of it. Because you're not um, imprinting just your view of the world. You're telling someone a story, you're giving them food for thought that can help you think, can help you grow help you perhaps be more tolerant, to appreciate other people. You're giving them a sense of uh, community as well. And we have a storytelling community, but I'm very proud of it. You can learn more about Rosalind Cohen, the Story Save program, and Storytellers of Canada Contour de Canada by visiting the Storytellers of Canada website. Since 2002, Story Save has been recording and sharing the work of Canada's master storytellers. The program is generously supported by Canada Council for the Arts and the Ontario Arts Council. This episode was produced and edited by me, Marian Gruner, with support from Susan Charters, Selena Eisenberg, Murray McGregor, Heather Whaley, and Linda Winham. And special thanks to Rosalind Cohen for her time and generosity. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Balado, the Story Save podcast. You can find us on Google Podcasts and anywhere else you might get your podcasts. And while you're there, subscribe so you never miss a new episode.